0: Before we turn in Scripture tonight, let me just say what a blessing it's been to be here again and enjoy fellowship with you and see many of you who are so familiar and part of a church family that we're that we're part of for many years. So you know as a congregation, you hold a special place in, in my heart. So it's good for us to be here again. Enjoyed the singing uh, with you as a congregation again as well. That's been so good and good for my soul. Tonight we're going to be looking at an aspect of the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5:22 and 23. In connection with that, we're going to be reading out of Luke chapter 6. Luke 6. We're going to begin reading in verse 27 and we'll read through the end of the chapter, Luke 6 beginning at verse 27. We read through the end of the chapter. This is the word of God. But I say unto you, which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. Now, to him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other, and him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. As ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. If ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. With the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. He spake a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but every one that is perfect shall be as his master. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite! Cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil, for of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me, and heareth my sayings, and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house, and dig deep, and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house, and could not shake it. For it was founded upon a rock, but he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Thus far, we read God's word there in Luke chapter 6. As I said, the text tonight is in the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. read there of the fruit of the spirit I'll read Galatians 5:22 and 23 we read there but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance against such there is no law tonight we're going to be looking at that aspect of the fruit of the spirit that is identified here as gentleness but could be better translated Kindness. Maybe you've heard of random acts of kindness. Maybe you've not only heard about it, but experienced it, that maybe you stopped somewhere to get a cup of coffee, and the person who was helping you get the cup of coffee said, well, somebody in line in front of you uh, put down some money so that everybody who came behind him had their coffee paid for. So you got a free cup of coffee or in line at a fast food restaurant. There are those who would uh, put down maybe $100 to pay for anybody who is behind them in the line so that they come up to the window and they receive the surprise that their meal had been paid for. Random acts of kindness. Is that the kindness... Of which the text here speaks and other passages in scripture speak. I'm not going to answer that question right now. But we'll come to an answer to it. I also read about a couple of authors who wrote about kindness. One of them is a man named Robin Sharma. Author and self-identified leadership expert with over 4 million followers on Facebook. And he wrote this. The kindest person in the room wins. I truly have found that, that encouraging and elevating others is the greatest gift you can give yourself. Is that kindness? And then another author, Michael Boll, author of the recently released book, The Art of Being More Likable, The Kindest Person in the Room Always Wins the Game. That's the entire title. Of the book. What he says in that book is that being more likable always leads to more happiness and more success. Is that kindness? We can probably assume, and rightly so, that the answer to all three of those is no, that is not what true kindness is. Tonight we want to understand what true kindness is, the kindness that belongs to love. Let me back up a moment, fruit of the Spirit. We talk about the fruit of the Spirit, there is one fruit of the Spirit, in the Greek it's in the singular, there is one fruit, there are not nine different fruits of the Spirit. The one fruit of the Spirit is love, but there are many different aspects to the fruit of Of the Spirit, which is love. And this love is so vast and it's so deep that it couldn't possibly be described or identified with one word, but instead, there are nine different words here in these two verses that describe what love is. An aspect of love is kindness. Remember the outstanding chapter on love, 1 Corinthians 13. It says there that charity or love is kind. So we know that kindness is a fundamental aspect of what love is. I must say to you that when I worked on this sermon... It's not only that, all the different aspects of the Spirit of the Spirit, they certainly had an impact upon me. But when I worked on this aspect, it especially had an impact upon me. It forced me to look at myself as a pastor, as a father, as a husband, and it made me face the question, am I kind like God calls me to be kind? And that's my prayer for you. It's my prayer for you today and throughout this past week that God would use it to show you what kindness is and to help you examine your life. Because part of the fruit of the Spirit is, yes, the Spirit works this in us, but part of it is that the Spirit is working it in us progressively. We're growing in the fruit of the Spirit. And so my desire is that through the powerful work of the Spirit here tonight, not because of me, Through me as an instrument, but by the Spirit, we would grow in our not only understanding of what kindness is, but living in the kindness of God. So with that in mind, we consider tonight, love's kindness, love's kindness. Noticing first what it is, secondly why it's important, and then finally how we have it and really how we grow in this. What is kindness? Many ways we could put it, maybe the shortest, simplest way is to say that kindness is love in action. It's love in action. It's serving others practically by meeting a need that they have. It's serving others practically by meeting a need that they have. That's why. I would say random acts of kindness are not what true kindness is. Although it's very nice for someone to pay for my cup of coffee or my meal, I have the ability to pay for my own cup of coffee or my meal. So that act of kindness was not meeting a need that I had. doesn't mean it's not nice. It certainly was nice for someone to do that. But kindness is doing what is good by meeting a need that someone has. This idea is expressed in James 2, 15 and 16. By the way, tonight, there are going to be many passages of Scripture we're going to be looking at, developing kindness from what Scripture teaches about it in many different places. So James 2, 15 and 16, we read there. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled... Notwithstanding, you give them not those things that are needful for the body, what doth it profit? James, there is talking about what genuine faith looks like as we live it out in our lives. And he's saying, well, if there's someone who comes to us and says, I don't have any food and I don't have any clothing, and we simply say to them, well, I hope you find some food. Go find some. And I hope you find some clothing. Go and find some clothing. When we have food and clothing to give to them, we're not being kind. We're we're not following through in love in our own lives. May we remember as I read that passage again uh, when I was pastor here, and I could remember at times there would be some who would come through after a worship service, and, and they would say, uh, hey, do you, do you have anything to, to give to us? We're in need. And they come through in an old truck or an old car or something uh, like that. And uh, I would say to them, well, um, you know, by that time, I remember an instance, everybody had left the church. Uh, I think Jen and I, or maybe I by myself, was walking home, and pretty much everybody had gone. And I said to them, well, if you come to the evening service, of course, the deacons will meet with you and care for you. But in the meantime, if you need something, we'll go home and we'll make some sandwiches for you and and we'll take care of whatever it is that you need at that time. Well, found out very quickly that wasn't what they wanted. They didn't want food. They wanted money at that time. But anyway, the point is is that we're to, to show and demonstrate our love by meeting a need that someone has. Part of that means then that we're noticing the needs of others around us and we're moving toward them and we want to help them in their need and fill their need. Kindness, not only is something then done outwardly, but it arises out of a heart of compassion. We're talking about compassion. We're talking about a heart that is moved by the need of someone else and wants to move toward them. So it's not something mechanical or robotic, but we feel for them in their time of need and want to help them in their need and move toward them in their need. Compassion is having a heart that is soft towards those around us so that we have a deep, deep concern for their welfare and for their good. That's what kindness is. Love in action, seeing a need, and trying to meet that need, whatever that need may be. Now, to help us further understand what kindness is, we also ought to understand what kindness is not. The opposite of kindness is harshness. It's being cruel in word or in deed. The opposite of kindness is a a judgmental and critical spirit. The opposite of kindness is looking at someone else with with envy. And simply looking at themselves from a perspective that's very selfish and focused on me, and therefore I look at them and say, well, you know, they can do what they, they want, and they can have what they need. I don't have to help them. I need what I have. That's not kindness when we're selfish in that way, or we deal with others harshly and cruelly. But on the other hand, there's something else to look at when it comes to kindness. There, there is a counterfeit kindness. What do you mean that there's a kindness that looks like kindness, but it's really not kindness? It's a manipulating kindness. It's a kindness that in the end serves my purposes. That was the problem with those quotes I gave to you in the introduction to the service. The kindest person in the room wins. I truly have found that encouraging and elevating others is the greatest gift you can give yourself. The point is, well, you elevate others and in the end, you'll elevate yourself even higher. It's such a great blessing for you. And in the end, it's all for you. That's a false kindness. It's not a kindness that's about the need of someone else. It's really in the end about me and what I want or maybe to look good in front of others as well. False kindness is a kindness that is done with a smile on one's face, but in the heart there's hatred and envy towards others. A false kindness is also a kindness that is not carried out in deed. It says the right words and says the right things, but it does not result in action in our lives. So That helps us to understand better what kindness is. Love in action, meeting the need of someone else who is in need. And Now to further understand what kindness is, we want to understand what it looks like practically, how it's carried out in life. Where we go to first when we consider what kindness is, is we go to God and we go to our Savior, Jesus Christ. This kindness is found in God Himself. We read that tonight in Luke chapter 6. Let me go back to Luke chapter 6 uh, for a moment. And to verse 35. There Jesus says, But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And reward shall be great, and ye shall be children of the highest. For, so here's the reason that we are to love our enemies and do good to them. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. The he there is God. He is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Who are the unthankful and the evil? It's me. And It's you. It doesn't mean that God loves everybody and he's kind to everyone in the world. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's pointing out that God's own people are unthankful and evil just like everybody else in the world and yet God is kind to people who are unthankful and evil. Isn't that amazing? God's kind to us. How powerful that is. And that kindness of God meets the greatest need that we have Through Jesus Christ. God shows or displays his kindness. Through Jesus Christ. That's what we read tonight. In Ephesians chapter 2. That's why I began the service with that. In verse 7. That says that in the ages to come. He might show the exceeding riches. Of his grace. In his kindness. Toward us through. Christ Jesus. The kindness of God is revealed. In Jesus Christ. He displays and shows us kindness through Him. And then when we look at Jesus Christ, there we see kindness personified. We, We see it throughout His life and His ministry. In Matthew 11 verses 28 through 30, He is called a Savior who is gentle and lowly. He's gentle, He's compassionate, and a Savior who is so kind. We see that in many ways through his life and ministry. We couldn't possibly look at all the instances because that characterized his life and ministry: kindness, kindness as we saw last week to the Samaritan woman, kindness when we look at the woman who was caught in adultery. You remember who the woman who was caught in adultery? The leaders of the Jews brought this woman, and she was really caught in adultery. She, she, they brought this woman to Jesus. And they were trying to trick him. What was Jesus going to do with her? Shouldn't she be stoned to death for her great sin? You remember how Jesus responded. He of you has not committed the same sin. Let him cast the first stone. And those leaders of the Jews slowly blend into the crowd that's there around Jesus. And there it is, Jesus writing in the ground. And that woman caught in adultery standing there. And finally Jesus looks up. He said, where are your accusers? Now well, they're gone. And Jesus, remember, says to her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. What kindness we see in our Savior. And then in Luke chapter 8, there was a woman who had an issue of blood and she touched Jesus' garment. And remember at that time that uh, Jesus said, Who is it that touched my garment? And, and the woman feared and finally came forward and said, It, it was me. And she was healed, remember, by that. And then Jesus responded to her in great kindness. And there's instance after instance in the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ demonstrating the kindness and the love of God. This kindness is to be displayed in our lives then in action towards others. There are many different examples of that that you and I can probably come up with in our lives. I was thinking about an instance in my own life. I can remember when I was in seminary. And when you're in seminary, you're, you're kind of scraping by uh, financially. I don't say that to make you feel sorry for me. We, we had everything that we needed. But we had someone anonymously who paid our rent through all of the time that I was in seminary. Never knew who it was. That's not a random act of kindness. That was a need that we had. And there was someone who came and met that need. So we see and understand that there are many ways to demonstrate and show kindness to those around us. It's not simply in giving things, but we'll see there are many other ways as well. But we also want to understand that when this kindness is shown in our lives towards others, it's not simply that we're... Always nice or tolerating what everyone does. Even though kindness is meeting a need of someone else, real kindness is still tough on sin. It doesn't allow sin, it doesn't excuse sin. It says something about that sin, maybe does something about that sin as well. But at the same time, understanding that when someone might be walking in sin or struggling in their lives and it's evident in their life, maybe there's something else going on. There may be some deep, deep suffering that they've gone through in their life. It doesn't excuse what they're doing. We want to see and understand the whole picture. So kindness wants to know that and understand that. Kindness comes alongside of a person and says, I will pray for you. And not only do I just say that, but in a time of great need, let's sit down and pray right now together. You're talking on the phone and they're in distress. Let's pray. I don't know what else to say, but let's pray to God. Let's bring it to Him. I know often in the church that we're very good at helping by bringing food to people in their time of need. And that's certainly not a bad thing to do. Often, sometimes, if we don't know what else to do, we bring food. But there's more that we can do. It means coming alongside one another, listening to one another, crying with one another sometimes, praying with them, speaking truth into their lives, helping them, understanding them. We need more of that in our homes and in the church. I'm not saying you don't do it. I know that there are those who do it, and it's good. Keep on doing that. Let's do more of that. and let's do that to help one another in our homes and within the church. As we look at this kindness, one last thing we should look at, and that is, who are the recipients of this kindness? In Luke chapter six, Jesus calls us to love our enemies, and thus we are to be kind to them. Because the point is, when we do this, we are resembling the kindness of our Father towards us. Again, this doesn't mean that our Father is kind to all men or that He loves all men. When Jesus there speaks of the unthankful and the evil, He's speaking of you and I. We are those who deserve the wrath of God. We're those who deserve condemnation. We do not deserve the kindness of God, yet God in His sovereign love is so kind to us. On the basis of that, Jesus calls us to love our enemies and to be kind to them. Do you have anybody who you'd call an enemy? Well, Jesus says, be kind, be kind. We might think that someone around us doesn't deserve kindness because of what they've done to us. But we remember that our God, who is kind to those who are ungrateful and evil, me, you, we are to reflect that to those around us. But being kind to those around us sometimes is a little bit easier than being kind to those We're the closest to us. We're to be kind to our enemies. What Jesus is saying is we're to be kind to one another and to those who are very close in our homes and in the church. That can at times be a great struggle for us because sometimes in our homes and sometimes in the church, people see the worst of us. Our wife, our husband, our children. Your parents, they see the worst of you. You take it out on them, the frustrations and difficulties that you have in your life. Our Lord Jesus Christ is coming to us and saying, those who are nearest to you, to them you ought to be the kindest. That's love. Seeing their needs and caring for them in their time of need. Those are important for us as a church, and I believe in our churches as well. We can uh, think that what's so important for us is getting our doctrine right, getting the truth right. Of course, getting the truth right and getting doctrine right are very important. I don't want in any way to minimize that. But at the same time, sometimes when our, uh, we're so focused on truth, And we're so focused on doctrine, sometimes we don't think at all about life and how we're living. Are we living according to truth? Are we living according to the doctrine that we confess? And the point I want to make to us tonight is that the two things go hand in hand. When we understand the truth of God's sovereign grace, when we understand His great love for us, that's not an excuse for us to be mean and unkind in our homes and within the church. Instead, the more we know of the grace of God, what shows that that lives in our hearts is that we will be kind to those around us in our homes, within the church, and in the world as well. So that's kindness, the kindness that belongs to love. Why why is it important to live this? Two reasons. The first reason is kindness is a matter of of worship. Kindness is a matter of worship. In other words, we demonstrate that we really know the grace and the love of God. We demonstrate that we really know the kindness of God when we reflect that kindness in our own lives. And so the question is tonight, do you personally know the love and the kindness of God? Have you experienced the sovereign, unmerited, unconditional kindness of God? In a few moments, we're going to be singing Psalter number 281, Psalm 103. We'll be singing of the fact that God knows our weakness and our frailty. Do you know that God knows your Weakness and frailty. Do you know personally that God is kind to one who is unthankful and evil? And that that is you. Do you know that God in His great kindness has sent His Son, not simply to die upon a cross, He did, but that He sent His Son to die upon the cross for your sins To meet the greatest need that you have. And do you know that God in His kindness continues to love you and give you everything, everything that you need? Do you know that God in His kindness does not withhold any good thing from you? Do you know that God in His kindness is demonstrating His grace toward you as we read in Ephesians 2 verse 7. And do you know that although you deserve the condemnation of God and the wrath of God for your sin, yet God in His grace has been so kind that He's delivered you from your sin. And not only deliver you from the punishment of sin, but He's delivering you from the power of sin in your life so that you're growing in holiness and godliness and faith In your life. Do you know this? That's the question. When we know this. We reflect it. We're so thankful for it. And that thankfulness is reflected in our own lives. Those who are true believers in Jesus Christ. And know this kindness toward them. Are so overwhelmed by this that they demonstrate in their lives this same kindness. So that kindness is not compartmentalized to just a certain aspect of my life and a certain time in my life, but I want to demonstrate that kindness in everything that I do. Because we have a Savior who demonstrated kindness. In everything that he did, he wasn't harsh with his people, he wasn't bitter with his people, he wasn't angry with his disciples, although they deserved anger. He was kind and he was gentle throughout his ministry. I've personally been impressed by that. I've been reading a a book lately called Lowly or Gentle and Lowly, written by Dane Ortland. Maybe you've heard of the book or read the book, it's a powerful book about the compassion and the love of Jesus Christ for His people, especially uh, during His ministry. But just think about it for a moment. Our Savior was the perfect Son of God. And He came into a world full of sinners. Sinners. Although some knew him, still they didn't fully appreciate him. And there are many who should have known who he was, and they rejected him. He came to his own, and his own received him not. He came into this world of constant imperfection. And he was kind. Just think about that for a moment from the perspective of some of us maybe being perfectionists. We like everything in order. We like things done in a, in a certain way. And when they're not, then we easily get upset. Now, just think about that from the perspective of Jesus Christ. He came, perfect Son of God, into this imperfect world. You don't see a Savior who's always upset because everybody was imperfect. He's kind and compassionate. I can remember as a kid going to visit uh, a great-grandparents, and this great-grandparent, uh, the great-grandpa wasn't so mean, but the great-grandma was kind of mean. And I can remember on the way to going to visit this great-grandpa and great-grandma that my parents would be talking to us on the way. Now, be careful when you get there. Grandma's very particular. You don't mess anything up. Don't make a mess of things. Don't, don't go down in the basement because she's even particular about everything down there as well. And she's not going to be happy if you mess things up there. And I can remember sitting there and you're a little antsy sometimes on a Sunday night after church, after sitting a lot of the day, and the temptation is you, you start ribbing your sister a little bit and you start getting a little rambunctious there and getting a look from dad. Settle down. And you see how easy it is for someone who is this perfectionist mentality and everything has to be clean and everything in its place and they get easily upset when it's not that way. And our Lord Jesus Christ was not that way. He was full of kindness towards His people and is toward us as well. And so we're called to embody that. We're called to, we're called to embody that kindness of God in our Savior Jesus Christ in our own lives. So we see in Colossians chapter 3, Colossians 3, verses 10 through 12, we read there, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And then it goes on to say, And above all these things put on charity or love, which is the bond of perfectness. But notice that there. Part of putting on that love is putting on kindness and that's the word of God to us tonight. Put on the kindness of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's part of the fruit of the Spirit. Yes, the Spirit works this in us. But yet also we're called to live in this kindness as those who have the Spirit working in us. As we see and understand. That we're, we do this because this is a matter of worship. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus teaches us that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, everything that comes out of us is a matter of worship. The question is, what do we worship? And Jesus is calling us to worship Him and to worship God by living in this kindness in our lives. That means when we understand the kindness of God toward us in Jesus Christ, we ought to be the kindest people in the world. That's where I have to ask myself and you have to ask myself, is that true? I Ought to be the kindest pastor that there is, compassionate towards the flock, even, even when hard things are said. That means I ought to be the most compassionate husband that there is, and I'm not. Not to be the most compassionate father that there is, and you wives should be the most compassionate wife that there is, and mothers, you should be the most compassionate mother that there is. And in the workplace, you ought to be the most compassionate, either employer or employee, that there is, because we see and understand and know the kindness of God toward us in. Jesus Christ. So do this. Why? Because this is a matter of worship. When we reflect the kindness of God, God is glorified and God is praised. The second reason that this is so important is that kindness is the glue or bond that holds together our relationships. Kindness is the glue or bond that holds together our relationships. Where kindness is not present, relationships are destroyed and they fall apart. Just think about it in a home, in a marriage. If there's no kindness in a home, if there's no kindness in a marriage, or there's little kindness, or there's little kindness within the church, then relationships fall apart in home and in church. That comes out in Galatians chapter 5. So going back to that passage on the fruit of the Spirit, if you go back to verse 15 of Galatians 5, Paul says there, but if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. There's the opposite of kindness, and this is what happens when there's the absence of kindness. We bite and devour one another. Sometimes that happens in marriages. Sometimes that happens with children Sometimes that happens here in the church as well. And that's why Paul's saying, don't live in that way. That's not fulfilling the law of love, he says in the verses that go before. And then, in contrast to the fruit of the Spirit, before that, he talks about the work of works of the flesh. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness. And then I want to jump down to verse 22. I'm sorry, verse 20, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, which is factions, and then heresies. So the works of the flesh are reflected in this, wrath, strife, or fighting, and seditions, or factions. When we don't live in the love of God, when we don't live in the kindness of God, this is what happens. Factions develop in our home and within the church. The great struggle for us, especially in our homes and in the church, is we respond to others according to what they do to us instead of responding to others according to what God has done for us. We make our relationships conditional. That's the the simple truth of it. And we're to respond to one another according to what God has done for us. So we ought to consider tonight, how have your relationships been hurt or destroyed by a lack of kindness? And now it's very easy for us to think, yeah, she, he, that person, that person was not kind to me. And it's destroyed the relationship. No, put that all aside. What about you? What about me? And what have I done? And what have I contributed? Let's remember tonight that kindness is the glue that holds relationships together. You see, kindness is an aspect of love. Love is a bond. When we talk about bond, think about glue. Bonding agent. That's what love does. It brings us together. Love bonds us to God. Love bonds us to our Savior Jesus Christ and love bonds us together here within the church and within our homes as well. Hatred separates friends, but love bonds them or knits them together. Again, that doesn't mean that love tolerates everything. We must not mistake kindness for tolerating everything that someone does But we should understand that in love and in kindness, we want to care for one another and meet the needs of one another and do what is best for one another. So that's kindness lived out and why we ought to live it out as well. It's the bond that keeps us close in our relationships. Finally, we look at this, how do we have it? The only way to have this kindness is by the supernatural grace of God. There's not anybody here who can put it on in their own strength. There's not anyone here in the strength of their own willpower who can go home tonight and say, I'm committed to being kind to everybody at all times all around me. I'm just going to do it. None of us is capable of doing that. We need the grace of God. That's part of the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit is the sole source of this fruit. We cannot generate it ourselves. We cannot produce it ourselves. Because that's true, that means as those who know Jesus Christ, and have the Spirit working in us, and we have the beginning of this kindness in us, we pray. We pray. We pray that God our Father, through the work of the Spirit, would work this kindness within us. I wonder how that would transform our homes, our marriages, our church, if in this week, that's what we're constantly praying for. Give to me kindness. Give to those around me kindness. And we want to live in the kindness of God with one another challenge you this week, pray for it. I'll pray for it for you as well. I'll pray for it for me and for my home as well. But may you pray for that in your homes and in your church as well. But along with that, not only do we pray for this kindness to be worked in us, but the Holy Spirit works this in us by opening our eyes to the love and the kindness of God to us in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth and the sanctifying Spirit, opens our eyes to see truth. So along with that, we need our eyes open more and more to the glorious grace and the glorious love and the glorious kindness of God in Jesus Christ. We need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to show us how undeserving we are of the kindness of God because the more we understand how undeserving we are, the more we will be ready to show such kindness to everyone around us. Are we overwhelmed by the kindness of God to us in Jesus Christ? So what we need is we need more theology. We need to understand God's grace and His love. We need to understand His character. We need to understand Jesus Christ. And the Spirit needs to open our eyes to see that grace and to see that love so that we would grow in reflecting it in our own lives. Let's give thanks together tonight for the kindness of God toward us in Christ. Let's give thanks together for the beginning of this kindness in our hearts and our lives by the working of the Holy Spirit. But let's pray that together we would grow in this kindness of God, and the kindness of His love. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, there are many times when we don't reflect Thy kindness like we should. Forgive us. We also pray, sanctify us in our marriages, in our homes, and here within the church especially. May we begin to demonstrate more fully The kindness and love of Thee our God. But not only here, but may we demonstrate it in this world in which we live. Even to those who are enemies and who we might judge are undeserving of that love and kindness. O God, so work in us that we would live in this love and this kindness of Thee our God for the glory of Thy name. We pray this in all dependence upon Thee and the work of Thy Spirit.